morning, everyone. Worship team, thank you guys so much. That was, and isn't it fun to worship God? That was a little weak. We'll try that again. Isn't it awesome just to be able to worship God? Man, it's wonderful. There's nothing better than it. When you get so caught up in just the presence of God, man, everything else just seems so uh, winky-dinky, kind of, you know? <clears throat> well, again, we want to welcome you. Just before we kind of get started, uh, we just want to, there's a few things that I want to make mention of. Uh, Svetlana and John, they got engaged on New Year's Eve. Congratulations. Oh, John, way to go, man. That's what I'm talking about. That's awesome. So we're just so ce- celebrating with you guys. What a great time that is. Man, I mean, we've known Sveti since she was like, what? Like what? 15 months? 18 months. 18 months. Look at this. Man, and now she's engaged? Man, cool. That's awesome. Well, congratulations, you guys. We're so thrilled and happy. John, you're the man. Man, we love you. Awesome. Well, everyone, we're, gonna, we're continuing a new series, or we're continuing a new series. We are starting a new series this morning, and uh, we're so thrilled that everyone came. And for those of you that are visiting, we want to welcome you. And you may be wondering what we're like, who we're about. Well, we're people that our vision here is to impact generations for Jesus. We love this man, Jesus. He's changed our lives. And this morning, I know you're going to have an opportunity to encounter him. Because, of course, that's what we're here for. We're not here just for an impact show because, listen, that will bore you. But we're here to encounter the living God. He is real. He loves you. And he wants to give you an experience with himself. And so if your heart's open to it, if you will just respond and receive what he's got for you, how, how do I do that? Just say, Lord, whatever you want for me today, I want it. I'm ready for you. It's very simple, right? Re- receiving from God, experiencing God is not something that's just reserved for special people on certain days. You can experience him every single day. His name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He wants, he's with us. And not only that, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, he's not just with you, he is in you. Woo! Somebody's in me. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's there and it's cool. It's awesome. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. And uh, we're starting a new series this morning, as I said, and we're talking all about rooted. Everybody say rooted. And uh, one of the things, that reason why we're doing this is because, you know, just Jamie and I, as we spend some time just praying and, you know, for the new year and just, again, focusing as a church family what the Lord wants from us and wants to do with us. One of the phrases that he gave us is, in order to properly move forward, you have to be rooted in the basics. you got to be rooted in these fundamental, foundational basics. Where in a lot of times you may go to different places where they're looking for the new thing. What's the newest thing that God's doing? Nothing. Right? Like, I mean, a lot of times people are thinking, God's going to do something new. Yeah, like, God is doing a new thing. For sure, there's, you know, there's different th- ways that it manifests. But in reality, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So rather than looking for the next newest thing from the Bible, let's go deeper in what we know. Because when you go deeper in what you know, guess what? It'll be new to you. <laughs> Anybody ever experienced that before? Okay, yeah. And I mean, for my own personal self, I grew up really in a sports background. Anytime you go to a sporting event, anytime you go watch the NHL or the, you know, the CFL or any kind of soccer game, whatever it is, what you're watching is like, oh, these players are really good. Why are they so good is because they've mastered the basics constantly over and over again in our soccer practices. When we played Western Canada, we think, oh, what kind of training did you guys do? It must have been really intense. No, it was very basic. Pass, back and forth. Pass, on your toes. Pass, get on your toes. Pass, get on. It was the same thing over and over and over again. Why did we do it so much? So that when game, t- when game day came, all of a sudden a ball comes to you, you're on your toes and you're ready to go. So that what I practiced, I'm actually able to perform it in game day. Now, we all have a game day. 
There's times where things are going to come up in our lives and we got to be ready. It is better to be ready than try to get ready. Right? The way that the Bible tells us is always, Peter tells us to live ready. So this is what we want to do. We want to go over these basics again so that you and I were able to, when these day, game day comes, we're able to respond properly and see the results that God promised us in his word and that he's guaranteed to us. Anybody with me on that? Yeah. Interested in that? Because listen, I'm not interested in just giving some far-fetched, woo, this is so cool, that we get excited about for maybe 12 minutes. And then come Monday, we got issues and nobody knows how to deal with it. Right? What is Jesus looking for? A solid foundational church that knows his word, is able to operate it. We're here to bring heaven into this earth. So we got to know how to do it. We got to know how to kick some devil booty while we're here. Right? And how do we do that? We're going to do it with the word. Amen? All right. I'm glad you're excited about that. So Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6 and 7, this is, uh, will be kind of our foundational verse that we're going to jump off into. And uh, just before I read these verses actually to you, you know, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, in the Message Bible, it actually says to be mature is to be basic. People kind of think, Paul, man, he was so wise. Yeah, he was wise. But listen, everybody in, you know, they know in part. But how can somebody be so, you know, understanding of the word? And so how can I see so many results happen in my life? It's to be basic. Right? You want to see results? Paul said this to be mature is to be basic. And the word mature simply means it's to reach advanced stages in Christianity or to be fully developed in Christianity. Now, anybody interested in being fully developed? Yes. Anybody interested in reaching advanced stages? Yes. How do you do that? Master the basics. So many people think it's got to be this far-fetched thing. No, no, no. Let's just keep it simple. Kiss. Keep it simple. Saint. <laughs> Stupid is what I want to say. Saint. Just keep it simple. Right? And uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, it says this. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must, everybody say must, must. continue to follow him. So now that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, what do I do now? What's my role now? What do I do as a believer? You must continue to follow Him. Right? So again, is that basic? Very simple. But so many people are looking for something else. There is nothing better than this right here. You must continue to follow Him. What does that mean? I'm not leading my life. I am actually following what He tells me to do. Right? Again, I've said this before, but I'm moving away from a, you know, a really hard-driven lifestyle to a spirit-led lifestyle. This is what he's asking of us, to be led by him. Then verse 7 goes on to say, let your roots. Everybody say roots. Roots. <laughs> roots. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then the, in the New Living Bible it says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. See, a lot of times people are looking for quick fixes. If I can, somebody will just pray for me and then I'll be delivered. You know, a better way to do this is you get rooted in who he is, let your life be built on him, then what happens, you can walk out your own freedom that he purchased for you. Rather than depending on somebody else, Jesus wants you to be solid in your own faith, rooted and grounded in your own faith, so that when game day comes, you're ready for the fight. Rather than cowering away from it, you go, bring it on. Anybody interested in saying bring it on? I'm not talking about the dance movie, but I'm, you know, it, bring it on. Bring it on. Now, one of the missions here at our church, our mission here 
is the lost get saved. Everybody say this to me. The lost get saved. The saved get established. And the established get going. So that kind of incorporates everything. But the lost get saved. We are so passionate about people coming into the kingdom of God, receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the moment that happens, you've actually now just entered life. Right? Now, once you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it does not end there. It begins there. Now what we need to do is we spend a whole lifetime now of our lives getting established in the Word. Right? And from that place, when we get more and more established, what is required of you and I as believers, once we are rooted and grounded in this, is now to get going and get people born again, help people get established. That's our rule. It's a whole cycle. Nothing has changed. Jesus, ha Jesus did this, and we're basically just carrying on what he did 2,000 years ago. So the lost get saved, the saved get established, and the established get going. So regardless of wherever you are this morning, you fit in one of those categories, we're going to get established in what the Word of God says. Amen. Okay. So when you, as I said, you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now life really begins. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says this in the Amplified Bible. Now, again, I, I know you've heard these verses before, but let's not ever think that we've actually, that we know these verses, right? Because once you think you know it, then the Holy Spirit can't talk to you anymore. So let's just come with the attitude going, okay, I've never, okay, Lord, show me something new. Because how many know there is something new in this that maybe you haven't seen before? Right? So let's just read this from the Amplified Bible. It says this, Therefore, Therefore. Oh, yeah, if you want to, you can read it along. Go for it. It says, If anyone, who's anyone? Woo, me! Is in Christ, that is, grafted in or joined to Him, how? By faith in Him as Savior. What happens to this person that is in Christ? He is. Say, He is. He is. Not one day going to be, not someday in the future. He is. What does that mean? Present. Right now. Right now, a new creature. And he goes on, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things. What are the old things? The previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, or say, look, new things have come. And he goes on to say, because spiritual awakening brings a new life. So, you've been made an entirely brand new person. How do you become a brand new person? Somebody yell it out at me. By faith in Jesus. You simply confess with your mouth. You believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says you have been made brand new. Where? On the outside? No. If you was, you know, fat on the outside, when Jesus, it's nothing to do physically. If you were dumb before, still going to impact you here. Nothing changes here yet. Where does the change take place? Listen, you gotta, you got you to straighten this out because a lot of people think, well, nothing changed. I still look the same. Yeah, it's not talking this. I called on Jesus. Where's the change? In my spirit, my spirit being. I once was dead, but now that I'm alive to Christ, I've accepted him. So now what I need to do. So now I've been made completely new on the inside. Now I want to see it manifested on the outside. How does that take place? I now have to adjust my believing and my thinking to line up with what this word says. The moment that that lines up, guess what? Everything externally will change around me. You have within you the power of God. It's in you now. How come I'm not seeing anything changed in my life? It's because there's been no change here yet. And whose responsibility is it to change this? 
But how do we do that? We do that with the Word of God. So he's still involved, but you have to position yourself to allow the belief system to change, allow the mind shift to change. But you're spiritually speaking, you are perfect. But say perfect. There's nothing wrong with you spiritually speaking. You are delicio on the inside. You look just like Jesus. You are spirit to spirit just like the Holy Spirit. You got him on the inside of you. He lives there now. So now we have to now adjust the belief system, adjust the mindset so that we can see what's on the inside revealed on the outside. Right? Make sense? Okay. Whew. And again, as when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your BC or before Christ will look very different from after when you have Jesus, right? So Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14, I wanna, I'm just laying a foundation for what we're going to get into for this next while. But Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it says this, He has, say this with me, He has, he has. rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and He has transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. And how did He do this? He purchased our freedom and He forgave our sins. Now go back to verse 13 there for just a quick moment. Again, I'm not going to jump over this and go, oh, everybody knows this. I'm going to take some time on this because, again, as I spend time studying this week, again, I'm sitting in a coffee shop and I'm bawling my face off reading some of these verses, and I've heard them all my life. They get so deep on the inside of you when you think about it, but He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. He rescued us. Everybody, every person in the entire world at one point was trapped in the kingdom of darkness. We're all in there. The kingdom of darkness, it operates a certain way, right? I mean, you can see it a lot in the world system. You see how things are operated. Number one, it's operated by the sense realm, right? How do people in the kingdom of darkness, how do they operate? By what they see, what they feel, what it's on around here, what they can smell, what can they can taste. It's all dependent upon here. So they're limited right in that state. This is how I live. Right, based on what I see out here, okay, no, I'm not going to do this. Can't do that. This is too scary. They're lived by that. The next thing the kingdom of darkness operates by, it's driven by fear. Worry and hate. It's a selfish lifestyle that is completely greedy. This is the lifestyle. That's how the world lives. And what, what the word of God says is that you've been rescued from that state. So now... Am I limited as a Christian, if I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, He rescued me out of the kingdom of darkness, am I now limited to just my five physical senses? There's got to be a separate, another way of living then. Am I supposed to be driven by fear and worry and anxiety and hatred? That has left me. Because I've been rescued from it. Can, can you see that? I've been rescued. And what else? What is the last thing that I say on there? A selfish lifestyle. I've been rescued from that. Isn't that awesome? He rescued me from all of that. And actually, you don't have to turn there, but Ephesians 2 talks about different things. But we've been rescued from a spiritual condition that was dead to God and subject to His anger. You've all not just saved you know, to God, you've been saved from God. <laughs> you do not want to be on His bad side, ever, on Judgment Day. Next, we've been rescued from sin and all of its consequences. This is huge. He rescued us. Next is we've been rescued from having to follow the passionate desires of our old nature. Aren't you thankful that just because you have a desire, strong desire to do something that's wrong, you don't have to do it? <laughs> Isn't that good news? 
Listen, sin has no power over you whatsoever. The only sin that has power over somebody is if they allow it. You are in that much control. Say, I'm in control. So it's, oh God, please help me stop doing this. No, you got the power. I have the power. It's God gave it to me. So he rescued us from being dominated by my sinful nature. And lastly, I've been rescued from Satan being the Lord of my life. Because the Bible calls the devil Satan. He calls him the God of this world, the lowercase g God of this world. So in this world system, people say God is in control. Let me ask you this. Is God in control of this earth? He is not. He gave it back to man. He gave it to mankind. Satan took it away from him. Right? Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. And the Bible literally calls Satan, he is the God of this world. So everything that's going on in this world is not just God pulling a few levers and throwing a few things out there. It is the devil that is in this world and he's influencing people to do it. Anything you see, hurricanes, tornadoes, that is the role of a thief, of a stealer, of a killer. That is not who our God is. Our God is love. He is kind. He is gracious. Right? What he does is he takes those things that the devil meant for evil and he actually turns it around and makes it good. But God is not in control of this earth. He gave it to you and I. Right? Okay. So the first thing we got to notice is he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Then secondly, notice after he didn't just rescue us and now we're kind of just nomads on this earth. Here I am. What did he do? He now transferred us where? Into. So you are somewhere. You're not just somebody just out here kind of doing my own thing. No, you've been transferred out of one place and into another. There's only two places you can be. It's the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of his dear son. There is no third option. So depending on what you believe, who you confess Jesus to be to you, that depends on where you're going to be. It all depends. Notice this. The two different kingdoms is not based on how I feel. It's based on what I say about this man, Jesus. Do I believe in Jesus? Yes. What happens? I've been transferred out of darkness and I've now been transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. Now this kingdom operates completely different than this kingdom over here. Kingdom of God's dear son, it operates by, number one, faith in God. Let me say that with me. Faith in God. I know you've heard this, but we got to get this. My living, my lifestyle now is no longer based on what I see or what the senses tell me. It is now based on what God has said. Over here, I look at this life and I view life the way this way. This happens over here. And so I'm, I'm basically stuck in my sense realm. This is how I live my life. But now I've been transferred and now here I am. Now how do I live my life? Do I live my life by what I see here? No. How do I live my life? By what? He said, that is faith in God. That's part of the transfer, right? We have to learn how to do these things. We have to relearn some things again, right? Faith in God, it's driven by love and grace. It's a giving culture that serves one another. It's a kingdom of abundance, of peace, and of joy. Now, anybody, if you had a choice, which kingdom do you want to be in? Anybody, kingdom of darkness? Kingdom of God's dear son? Hey, oh, that's the one I want to be part of. But this is now where the frustrating part for Christians comes in place is that, okay, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That means I've been rescued. I've been transferred. Now, what becomes frustrating is if I'm in this place, I'm in the kingdom of God's dear son, but I'm still thinking like this. I got one foot in, one foot out. This is where Christians get frustrated. This is why they start wondering, why can't I see anything happen in my life? It's because this mindset is still over here. 
you're living like this. It don't work. You got to get your ass. You know, just hanging up. This is very, if you just walk around like this, is it, what's wrong with you? Yeah, lots. <laughs> but God's will is that you get completely over. So we have to take the time to mani- get our thinking in straight, right? Okay. Oh, so that's the problem. So let's just talk about this. This is the transfer formula. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. And the New King James Bible says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Now I want you just to notice this is the verse of verses. <laughs> this shows you what the, trans- the, the, the translation took place. Remember we just talked about I've been rescued from kingdom of darkness, and I've been transferred into God's dear son. This is the transferring scripture. Now notice, you, I mean, I don't, anybody hear things, you know, you hear people talk about grace, and you hear people talk about faith. What's more important, grace or faith? What's more important? That we tell people, oh, God loves them, God loves them, God loves them, God loves them. There comes a point where people hear that so much, how do they activate that? The faith side. So what's more important? Grace or faith? Trick question. They are both needed. Because if you don't have grace, you're going to hell. If you don't have faith, you can't activate the grace. So what are, what's needed? Because listen, you can go around and people in church-wise talk about this socialism grace. Where everybody can have everything that they want just because God is so good. God is so good. And listen, God has given everything to you and I. He's been so gracious. But it is not socialism. You're going to get to heaven. Your political views may change drastically. (laughs) God does not do things based on everybody gets treated the same. Because we're not the same. So when, when God gives us His grace, yeah, it is amazing grace. It is so deep. It runs deep. It, go, it streaches to the darkest, hardest person. His grace, it, I mean, the Bible talks about that you can't even comprehend the goodness and the kindness of our God. It is so vast. But on the other side of it, now you've got faith. You've got, you got people that kind of go on the ditch where they just talk about grace, 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 grace. And that's gracefully awesome. But then you've got other people that just talk faith, 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 and they leave God completely out of the question. I was on this side. What do I do? You spend so much time, my works, my efforts. If I, you know, if I just pray hard enough, if I just, Lord, do you see me confessing this? And you just, you've based on now how I operate. Now I'm expecting God, you better do this for me because I am doing this. That ain't going to work either. Because let me just read it to you from the Living Bible. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, because of his kindness, let say kindness. Because of his kindness. Man. You have been saved through trusting Christ and even trusting your faith is not of yourselves. It too is a gift from God. So faith is even something that you begin with. Faith. He gave you faith. <laughs> Verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good we have done so none of us can take any credit for it at all. So grace and faith are both needed. Now, every time you see the word God in your Bibles, I want you actually just to exchange the word for grace. Because God is grace. What is His kindness? That's who He is. It's His kindness. So let's just read a couple of verses here. I want you just to show, I want to show you a few things. Look what grace did. Okay? 
Look what grace did for you and I. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 26. The Bible gives some awesome things. Okay, every time you see the word God, we're going to substitute and put the word grace in, okay? Because you are saved how? By grace? Through faith. Okay? So grace is God's part to the equation. Grace, God. This is His part. He's not asking for anybody to help Him out on this. This is His part only. You stay out of this. Right? Just tell myself, stay out of it, Joel. No, don't tell me. You tell yourself. Stay, stay out of it. This has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. This is the kindness of our God. So verse 21, it says, But now grace has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by grace, made right with grace by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone, say everyone. Everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's or grace's glorious standard. We don't, we can't reach that. Yet, grace freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this. He did this. Say it with me. He did this. Now, if you're on the faith side, if you were like, like me on this one time where it's just faith, 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 faith. He did this. God had to drill this in me. I did this. You got nothing to do with it. He did this through Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God, grace, presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with grace when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Now looking again at verse 25 for a moment, there's this one line. But God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. What did God do? He presented Jesus. He showed Jesus as what? To be the sacrifice for our sin. He did it. Now everybody say this with me. Look what grace did. Thank you for four people. Look what grace did. Now let's go to Isaiah chapter 53, please, for a moment. I want you to see. You were saved how? By grace, through faith. So what's more important? You need them both. The grace of God is vital. We need the grace of God to tap into. But how do we tap into it? Faith taps into the grace of God. So faith isn't just, oh, what faith are you? Oh, I'm Catholic. I'm Protestant. That has nothing to do with it. Faith is a tool that God uses to create the whole universe. God uses faith to call those things which be not as though they were. God created faith. This is, or the, sorry, God uses faith. This is everything he sees. He calls things out. That's his faith working. And he gave it to you and I. So we, we are, we got it. But now again, so we're still working on the grace side. I want you to see, look what grace did. This is verse 3 of chapter 53. He was despised, this is talking about Jesus, and rejected a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Verse 4. Yet it was our weaknesses. That word weaknesses in the Hebrew is literally translated sicknesses. It was whose? Ours. Say mine. mine. It was my sicknesses 
He carried. And it was our, my sorrows. That Greek word, or sorry, the Hebrew word sorrows is diseases. It was my diseases that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. Verse 5. But he, say he was. He was pierced for who? Our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we. Do you see the transition taking over? The transfer taking place. He took it. Remember God. He presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. He was beaten so that I could be whole. He was whipped so that I could be healed. When? Now. Not God's timing. God's timing was right there. God, God beat His Son up for you. He did it for you. He did it so that I could be. I just want you just to see those words. He was, so I am. He was pierced, so I am whole. He was crushed, he was beaten, so what am I? I'm healed. This isn't spiritually speaking. Your, your spirit did not need a healing. Your spirit needed to be killed. Everything was wrong with it, so God had to kill the man. Right? Let's continue reading on. Verse 6. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut sh short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. Click. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's, look at this, it was the Lord's good plan to crush him. Does God send people to hell? No. God sent one person to hell, and that's Jesus. And why did he send Jesus? To be the sacrifice for our sin. That's why he sent him. But it was the Lord's, look at this, it's his good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Notice this. God crushed Jesus. God put all the grief on him. So why? I can live light and free. Can, this is you. I want you to take this so personally. This isn't just for a vast number of people. He did it for all of us, but take it personally. He caused him grief. Yet, when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants and he will enjoy a long life. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. Verse 12. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he, talk about Jesus, will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. Oh, for he will bear all their sins. Who is Jesus? He was the sacrifice. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. He did that for us. By grace are you saved. Grace is whose part? It's God's part. God's part is grace. Grace, grace. Look what grace did. Grace did all of this without asking you and I for anything. Grace made up his mind. This is what I'm going to do. Last verse I want to show you is Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 through 23. It says this, For God in all of His fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through Him... 
Grace. Let's say grace. What did He do? He reconciled everything to Himself. Grace made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And this includes you, who were once far away from God. You were, excuse me, His enemies, separated from Him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, we say yet now, He has reconciled you to Himself through the death of Christ in His physical body. As a result of this, everything that we just read in Isaiah, as a result of this, He has brought you into His own presence and you are holy, you are blameless as you stand before Him without a single fault. Verse 24 goes on to read, But you must continue. Say, I must continue. Now, when I see this word continue, this tells me I got to get rooted in something. I got to get grounded in this so that it becomes a part of my consciousness when I walk throughout my day. No matter what I'm doing, no matter what your job is, this has to be your consciousness. This is who I am. This is what I have. This is what belongs to me. You must continue to believe this truth and stand what? Firmly in it. Don't drift away. From the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news that has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Now a question that I always ask the Lord is like, lots of times you see this, that he says, if you go back to the verse before, verse 23 or 2, whatever that is. He says that you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You see this in the New Testament. God says this a lot to you and I. He constantly says it over and over and over again. So just even asking the Lord. Like, Lord, why do you have to keep bringing this up? Why do you have to constantly say that I'm blameless and that I'm perfect in your sight? Because without this knowledge, without this revelation of you and I, that I stand blameless before God as if I've never done a thing wrong, I won't be able to operate here. Because if I still think I'm unworthy, if I still think, oh, this is what I've done in my past, what am I doing? Even though I'm here, I'm going to be stuck living here. Oh, I've just, you know, I've made this stupid mistake and I've done that. God is no longer counting up people's transgressions. He doesn't even remember it anymore. He forgot all about it. He put Jesus, He gave it all on Jesus. Why? So that I could be here. And it's great God sees me this way. He needs to see me this way. But I need to start seeing myself this way. When I see my Heavenly Father, when I just close my eyes and I see me standing face to face before Jesus, do I see myself going, oh Lord, I'm so unworthy? Or do I see myself, no, I am blameless before you because you died for me. If I'm not able to confidently do that, life's going to be very frustrating for you in the Christian world. Why? Because the Christian lifestyle, let me just be honest, it's extremely bold over here. It's extremely blessed. It's extremely, it's radical on this side. When you see somebody who knows who they are in Christ Jesus, people think it's arrogance. No, it's wisdom, it's boldness, it's accuracy according to the scripture. And in fact, it's humility over here. This is who I am. What is humility? It's acknowledging what's actually true. Pride is just acknowledging something that's false about you. But humility says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a very humble statement. Why? Because it's not me. It's what, what I actually possess in Him. So if, as long as I continue to see myself not holy, if I continue to see myself not blameless, and if I can't see myself without a single fault, what's going to happen? I don't deserve healing. I don't deserve the blessings of God. I don't deserve peace. I don't deserve, you know, a good marriage. I just don't. And you get into self-pity. And listen, then you ask God to help your self-pity. He ain't coming down to fix your self-pity. That's not who He is. He tells you these things so that He gets you out of it. So, somebody needs to snap yourself a little. Just 
wake up a little bit. Just get out of this little funk that you're in. This is who he says I am. That's who I am. And, and the Paul says, stand firmly in this. Because what's the devil trying to do? He's trying to bring shame. He's trying to bring guilt, condemnation. Why? Because even though you're here, he doesn't want you operating here. Because when you operate here, you look like Jesus. Rather, if he can get you thinking, oh, I'm so unworthy and I did this, then you look like this. And okay, God, why am I not seeing anything in my life? It's because this is screwed up. Fix this. Dun, da, da, da. Oh, and now you start to see it operating in your life. Right? So again, this is grace part. Everybody say grace. grace. Look what grace did. He provided all of that for you and I. And again, just one scripture before we go on. Hebrews 5.13. In the Passion Bible, it says this. Every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. So let me encourage you. If you're finding yourself struggling with shame, struggling with guilt, struggling with rejection, struggling with not being good enough... Let me encourage you, you have got to sink your teeth in in who Jesus says that you are. I am righteous. What does righteous mean? I can stand before God as if I've never done a thing wrong. And if I start getting my mind ingrained in that, guess what? The blessings of God is not that, oh, I deserve them. No, we don't deserve any of it. I easily can now receive it. Do you see that? When I know who I am, this belongs to me, I now just receive it. God is outgiving all of us. So get your receivers out as big and quickly as you can. <laughs> How do you do that? By acknowledging who he is on the inside of you and who he made you to be. Right. You're righteous. Okay. So that's the grace part. So by grace, you have been saved. Now what's the other part of this? Through faith. Now it's not just salvation. When you hear the word saved, it means a whole lot of things. Right? It means persevere, uh, perseverance, safety, deliverance, health, prosperity, um, protection, and there's two other ones. Look it up. It's for your own good. Look it up. <laughs> soundness. Is that what you said? Preservation and soundness. is missing one more. <laughs> Nobody. Okay, rock on. Well, go, go, go study. It's really good. The word sozo in the Greek. It's a nine word. We say salvation, but in salvation doesn't just mean going from hell to heaven. There's everything incorporated in that. So when you read, by grace you have been saved... It's not just going from hell to heaven. That's part of it. But there's so much more involved in that. So if I get saved from hell to heaven, which is the greatest miracle, by grace, and I access it through faith, how do I access everything else in the kingdom of God? Same way. Okay. So now we have to cooperate with God. By grace, I have been saved through faith. Now this is our part. Working with Him. Cooperating with God, or I'm going to say faith. Every time you hear cooperate with God, I want you to think faith. For this transfer to happen, it requires my faith. Romans chapter 10. I'm going to read it to you from the Living Bible. Is this, is this okay? You can hear me? Okay. I'm really loud to me, so. <laughs> yeah. So verse 1. I'm going to read it to you from the Living Bible. It says this. Dear brothers, the longing of my heart... And my prayer is that the Jewish people might be saved. I know that what enthusiasm they have for the honor of God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand that Christ has died to make them right with God. Instead, they are trying to make themselves good enough to gain God's favor by keeping the Jewish laws and customs. But that is not God's way of salvation. 
So it's not just talking heaven to hell. I want you to hear this now. It's not just you working hard to earn your healing. Can you earn anything from God? I need to say that again. Can you earn anything from God? Health, blessings, peace in your home, joy in your home. Is there anything that you can do to earn that? Nothing. Okay? Nada. Verse 4. They don't understand that Christ gives to those who trust in Him everything they are trying to get by keeping His laws. He ends that. Did you just hear that? Did you hear that? I'm going to read that again. You have to understand that Christ gives to those who trust in Him everything that they're trying to get by being good. One more time. You have to understand that Christ, He came to give to those who trust in Him everything that they are trying to get by being good. He did it. What is that again? Grace. Grace. Everybody say it with me. Grace. What did grace do? Grace sent Jesus to get for you and I everything that we were trying to get by being good. Everything. What are you, let me ask you this. What are you trying to get by acting with your good behavior? What are you trying to get? Oh, I'm trying to get peace in my home. You trying to get it is never going to work. I'm trying to get health in my body. You trying to get that is never going to work. Jesus, grace sent Jesus to get you all the stuff you're working hard for so you can have it. See, what, what do, like he's talking about, he's relating this to the Jewish people who are obeying the laws. They're going after the law. I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. And it will never work because none of us can keep the law. It's impossible. There's 613 commandments. I bet you you broke four from come to church. <laughs> It's impossible. So verse 5. So now he's talking about Moses. This is what he said in the prophets long ago, right? We read this in Romans chapter 3. This is what God promised long ago. This is what he said through all the prophets, and Moses talked about this. So in verse 5, it says, For Moses wrote that if a person could be perfectly good and hold out against temptation all of his life. Anybody done that yet? <laughs> Anybody working on it? <laughs> Just stop. All of his life and never sin once, only then could he be pardoned and saved. Good luck on you. All right. But, verse 6, the salvation that comes through faith says, You don't need to search the heavens to find Christ and bring him down to help you. And you don't need to go among the dead to bring Christ back to life again. He already did it. Right? Can you see that? He already did it. Anybody looking for Jesus among the dead? No, he's alive. Right? So verse 8, For salvation that comes from trusting Christ, which is what we preach, is already within easy reach of it for each of us. In fact, it is as near as our own hearts and our own mouths. This is our part. Grace provides. So what's our job? Okay, i got to search the heavens to see if God will do this or if he's able to make this happen. Do I do that? No. Do I go down to the dead to go see if Christ will come back up and Jesus just get up for me so that I can get this in my life? No. He said your answer is very close to you. In fact, it's so close, it's in your heart and it's on your mouth. This is, what is he talking about? Salvation. 
Not just from hell to heaven. Salvation in general. Your healing. Your blessing. Everything about you is closer than you realize. Where is it? It is in my heart and it is in my mouth. This is the cooperation with God. Grace provided it. Didn't Jesus, after He rose from the dead, didn't He go back to heaven? He's there. So now what? Our job is, it's closer than we think. It's to simply believe what Jesus did. I believe it in my heart. I say it with my mouth. I receive it. That's it. Are you seeing how simple this is? Okay, good. We continue to read here. Um, let me just read verse 8 one more time. For salvation that comes from trusting Christ, which is what we preach, is already within easy reach of each of us. In fact, it is near our own hearts and our mouth. For if you tell others with your own mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your own heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for it is by believing in his heart that a man becomes right with God and with his mouth he tells others of his faith, confessing his salvation. So how do I cooperate with God? Grace provides faith responds to the provision. That's it. That's it. That's how you got born again. How many of you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? What did you do? You believed in your heart and you said it with your mouth. And the moment you spoke it, what happened? That's your faith. That was faith working. What had happened? Grace came in and sealed the deal. Whoo! You didn't have to do anything. So why do we talk about faith so much? Why do we have to talk about it? Well, Romans 4.16 answers this question for us. And we're going to get really into this because this is, this is it. Yep. Romans 4.16, just the very first part of it. It says, therefore, you say therefore? therefore. It, is of gra- it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Why do we talk about faith so much? It's because faith accesses the grace of God. It's the only thing that accesses the grace of God. You can't access the grace of God by just crying out to God and saying, Oh, God, I need, I need, I need, I need. He's not moved by needs. God, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. He's not moved by wants. What does he move by? Faith. You see it over and over in the New Testament. Every time Jesus performed something miraculous, well, it wasn't even just him performing. It was just people reaching out to him, believing that this is, when I touch him, this is what I'm going to get. And over and over and over, we see in the Bible that Jesus said, Your faith has made you well. Your faith has prospered you. Your faith has healed you. That's why it's so important because the grace of God is already there. Now what do we need? We need to use our faith to activate it in our life. This is the conversation between God and you. This is how you talk with God. This is how you have a relationship with God. This, This encompasses everything. Can you see that? You can't have a relationship with God if grace isn't talking. Well, listen, grace already says, by his stripes, you are healed. What is then my response? What is faith? Faith doesn't go against what grace says. Faith goes, I believe that even though I can't see it, even though I doesn't look like it, even though I can't feel it, I'm going to believe that. That is faith. Again, what is this? This is kingdom, the transfer. When I'm over here, this is how it operates. God says you're blessed. I don't feel blessed. My wallet doesn't say I'm blessed. What are you going to believe? Because if you're over here, yeah, it'll say, yeah, you ain't blessed. You go, yeah, I'm not blessed. And everything else is wrong. But when you get over here, God says, you're healed. God says, you're blessed. God says, you have joy. God says, you got peace. God says, you got it all. How did, it, how did that happen? Grace provided it. How do I access it? I believe. 
I believe. I don't have to feel it. I don't have to look for it anywhere else because I believe what my Father tells me. I can't see grace all the time operating, but I know when He says it, I'm going to hook up with Him. So if you just believe in Jesus as your Lord, well, how, how's that going to get me to heaven? Just trust the process. Don't argue with the man. He made it simple for you. He made it so easy. I mean, think about it. Jesus likens us a lot to sheep. Now, for those of you that work with farms or you just know a lot about sheep, what do we know about sheep? They're dumb. They need stuff very simply laid out for them. You're going to go here now. Uh, 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 okay, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> so this is a good time not to prove you're smart. Just be a sheep. Anyway, it's a children's church song, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but if he likens us that way, he, you know what? He made salvation so easy for you and I. So really, when you're in this position, it should never be, oh, I just can't seem to receive. It's the easiest thing in the world, but we just got to get our believing and our thinking right back on straight again. Can you see that? So we're going to continue this whole series. We're going to get going more further into this because we got to get a handle on these basics so that we can start seeing things activated in our life. Amen? Awesome. Let's all stand up.